We are glad to announce we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy for the upcoming NFL season. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. In case you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, Thrive Fantasy is a daily sports app for player props. Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in respective sport. For this NFL season, Thrive allows you to choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed in prizes for NFL Week 1. Use promo code PODCAST when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today, we are back with our weekly, or every other week, college football update. And we are here to recap some of the biggest things that we've seen over the past two weeks and leading into what is the final stretch of the regular season, Andrew. But let's get into our first topic today, which is, Kind of an interesting one, because before the season, we heard a lot of people talking about how the Big Ten would be the deepest conference, the best conference in all of college football, right next to the SEC. But we've seen a lot different, Andrew. And it's pretty obvious that the Big Ten, outside of Ohio State, Indiana, and Northwestern, maybe Wisconsin, you could throw in that. But it's really just Ohio State, for being honest. No one's good. I mean, Michigan, who is possibly a team who is going to be ranked, almost lost to Rutgers, Minnesota, got the luckiest pass interference call of all time uh, to win their second game of the year, and they were ranked to start the season. Penn State was a top-10 team, and they're 0-5. As as I heard uh, on ESPN yesterday, we are winless. Um, Michigan State, obviously, we know not good. Illinois, not good. Nebraska, not good. Maryland, Eh, Rutgers is Rutgers, but I have some confidence in them because of my boy, Greg Schiano. But I mean, Andrew, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten? Because it's it's blatantly obvious that it's really just Ohio State and everyone else. Yeah, Henry, and I agree with that. But Indiana really impressed me with their performance, not necessarily to start the game against Ohio State, but how they finished. They finished very strong, but it was kind of a combination of Ohio State just looking very sloppy at the end there. But Henry, uh, Michael Penix Jr., uh, the quarterback for Indiana, had an incredible game, one of the best games against Ohio State from a quarterback in recent history. And Indiana, I think, is a legit team, and they are a good team. And Northwestern impressed me, too. I None of us really thought Northwestern would be as good as they were, or as good as they are, excuse me, this season. And Northwestern is really impressing everybody, especially with their great defensive play against Wisconsin they had a great game defensively so I thought Wisconsin was going to be uh, the representative out of the west for the Big Ten in the to play against most likely Ohio State but now it's looking like Northwestern might be running away with it which is interesting because we have not seen Northwestern be this good or even ranked in the top 10 uh, in recent history so I'm excited to see what this Northwestern team can bring but besides that Henry 
there are no other teams really that can compete in this conference against top level or even even decent uh, teams across the country. Michigan was a disappointment this year. Penn State, extreme disappointment this year. Minnesota, disappointment this year. And as well as the rest of the Big Ten, I guess they played up to expectations, but those expectations weren't high, Henry. So that explains it for the Big Ten. All I have to say is Ohio State looks like the clear front runner and best team in this conference. And I'd be shocked to see anybody beat them, even in the conference championship game. Andrew, I'd be shocked, to be honest, if Ohio State doesn't win this conference for the next five to 10 years. I mean, there's there's potential with a lot of programs, but no one is really going to compete in this conference with Ohio State. And you see a year in and year out how they bring in the best talent. They develop the best talent. They coach the best. They have the best players. They, I mean, overall, they're just the best at everything in the Big Ten. And it's really just not even fun when you get have to play them and you see them on your schedule for that week. It's just, you know, you're going to lose to Ohio State. But moving on now, to Andrew, to our next topic and getting into more of a general topic in college football. We may already have a pretty set top four or a, a way where we can see the four already being set with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Obviously, the top four isn't set, but there are clear paths for the teams who aren't in but have a chance to be in, Andrew. Yeah, Henry, and as of right now, I see these four teams that are in the top four to be our representatives in the college football playoffs. Of course, there is certain ways I see a couple colleges get in. Of course, there is uh, Florida, who I think can get in with an Alabama loss and beating Alabama and Florida winning out. Of course, there's Texas A&M, who would also need the same thing with an Alabama loss. And also, I think BYU is legit, but we'll talk about that in our next segment about BYU and probably another team that's a group of five team. And also, I see possibly Oklahoma getting in, and we'll also talk about that in uh, another segment because I think maybe if one of those teams can lose, specifically Clemson, with being one loss, uh, I think a two-loss Oklahoma team that wins their conference championship could have a chance at squeaking into the playoffs, depending on what happens in front of them, who loses. But Henry, actually, let's let's talk about that uh, right now because I want to see what you have to say about Oklahoma because Oklahoma, of course, two early losses. And Henry, I I personally think if they have a couple impressive wins, win out and a couple things in front of them happen that needs to happen happens. I think they have an actual legitimate chance at squeaking in at number four in this playoffs. Andrew, I really don't want to see Oklahoma in the playoffs. I mean, we see year in and year out, they just get blown out, but a lot of things, like you said, have to happen. Obviously I think that Alabama has to win out. Ohio state has to win out. Notre Dame has to be Clemson the second time. Uh, the group of five teams that we'll talk about next have to lose a game at some point. Oregon would have to lose because I think an undefeated or one loss Pac-12 champ, I would rather take over Oklahoma just because of the strict fact that they deserve it more. So a lot of things have to happen for Oklahoma. I think a lot of college football fans could agree and say they don't want Oklahoma in the playoff, but it's not unrealistic to say that their playoff hopes are dead. 
Yeah, Henry, and I can't say I would love to see Oklahoma in the playoffs because I don't think uh, they would be or they are a top four team in college football. But I, I see I think there is a chance and I see a way that they can squeak into the playoffs. But I, I can't see Oklahoma getting in personally. I don't think they will. And I kind of hope they don't because I just want to see the top four teams in college football play. And I don't believe Oklahoma is one of them. And Spencer Rattler has been playing great, Henry. We can't deny that. This Oklahoma team is coming into the normal form. And how we're used to seeing them, they are playing like it. And I'm just excited to see what Oklahoma can do to finish out this season. And we'll see because Spencer Rattler, their quarterback, has been coming into his true form, playing like the five-star quarterback he was recruited as. And I, I really want to see how Spencer Rattler uh, plays as the season goes on. Andrew, to be honest, I think the more impressive thing with Oklahoma so far and throughout these last like four or five weeks is they're starting to play defense, a big 12 team playing defense. I mean, they, I think they only allowed 13 points to Oklahoma state last night, who arguably has one of the best offenses in all of the big 12. And they've been shutting teams down for big 12 standards. And it's kind of interesting that Oklahoma in a year that they're probably the worst that they've been in years is actually having the best defense I've seen them have in five years. But moving on now, Andrew, to another topic, which we kind of talk about weekly, and we're here to recap it once again. I think this is going to be a topic we talk about right up until the day of the selection. But, Andrew, is there a chance that a group of five team can make the college football playoff? Henry, there is a chance, and I'm surprised I'm saying this. We haven't really heard about this since UCF made their case a couple years ago. But Henry, there is a legit chance we see a group of five team, and we thought that might be Cincinnati. And I have to say, even though they're still ranked in the top 10, even though they're undefeated still, I don't think it'll be Cincinnati. They had a rough game against UCF, speaking about them. I mean, Cincinnati did not play very well. Their defense didn't play great against UCF. And I know UCF has one of the better offenses out of a group of five teams, but you see, you, if you're a top 10 team, you should be able to beat UCF without any uh, struggles. And they did struggle. It came down to uh, the last quarter, but Cincinnati did end up winning, but it was a close game throughout with Cincinnati trailing in most of the game. So after that performance last week, I don't think I see Cincinnati, but BYU, uh, Henry, BYU is playing incredible. Zach Wilson is playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And this team has been outscoring opponents. I think it's like four to one. I think they have about 400 something points on the season and their opponents have about 100 something. It's crazy, Henry. It's absolutely crazy. You, I, BYU is playing like one of the best teams in the country. And I would not be mad if we saw them in the college football playoffs because I would love to see how Zach Wilson can play and how he matches up against some of the best quarterbacks in the country as he would play uh, with in the college football playoffs. And of course, BYU, they played one ranked opponent all year. And it was number 21, Boise State. And they absolutely blew them out. So I really want to see how they play against top competition. And that's where I'd like to see them in the college football playoffs. 
So Henry, I am rooting for this BYU team. And I honestly think if they went out and a couple of losses happen in front of them, maybe Clemson losing for a second time to possibly Notre Dame, maybe Oregon losing, hopefully uh, Florida loses, Texas A&M. I think you could see BYU possibly squeaking in at that four spot. As I said, there's a path for Oklahoma too. Well, there's probably a more likely path for BYU. If they go undefeated, run the table and keep playing as impressive as they are. I think there is a way we can see BYU get into that four spot in the college football playoffs and maybe shock some people. And I I'm saying the way they're playing, I think they could compete with top level, uh, uh, talent in the country and possibly compete with those top dogs like Alabama, like Ohio State, like Notre Dame. I, I just would like to see them in that spot to see how they would compete because I think this could be the best uh, group of five team we've seen in a while. Andrew, their, their biggest opponent, to be honest, for both of these teams is the selection committee. And we've seen time and time again that they tend to have bias towards teams like Clemson, teams like Alabama, teams like Ohio State, and I think all three of them have gotten in based on that. And Andrew, I mean, I want to see these teams in. I think a good way for BYU to prove themselves is the Pac-12 did allow them to schedule out-of-conference games. So if a team like Oregon gets a game canceled because the, the, their opponent happens to have COVID cases, I think that'd be a great game to see scheduled between BYU and Oregon. I think a lot of college football fans would be tuned into that one because if BYU can win a game like that, I think for sure they should be considered as a top four team at that point. But obviously a lot of things have to happen. I think a one loss, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State or Alabama would get over them. Florida would get in over them. Uh, I mean, maybe a two loss Oklahoma gets in over them possibly because of committee bias. I don't think that's deserving of it, but you know, it's not really up to us and it's shown time and time again that the selection committee does have bias towards the bigger name programs but moving on now Andrew to our final topic today and speaking about Zach Wilson you know we're talking about the Heisman race is it down to four because in my opinion Andrew I think it's down to Trask, Mac Jones, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence as the competition to win the award, I definitely could see guys like Ian Book or Zach Wilson slide into that top three along with Najee Harris or Travis Etienne. But I think it's really down to four guys, Andrew, that really have a tremendous shot at winning this award. Henry, I have to disagree with you here. And I strongly believe that Ian Book and Zach Wilson have an actual chance at winning this award. It really depends on how they finish out this season. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence, and I don't see how he can win it with uh, not playing two games. I know his stats are incredible and he was playing great and he was playing like a Heisman uh, winner would play. But if you miss a couple games, there's no, there's no way you can become a Heisman winner, even if you're playing outstanding in those games. So I don't see Trevor Lawrence winning it. Also, Henry, Justin Fields just threw three interceptions against Indiana, which was awful. Even though they won the game, it was definitely not a great performance by him. Definitely not one of his best. Mac Jones, I believe, has a great shot at winning it. I can see him winning it, especially if they run the table and go undefeated. He's having an incredible season. Kyle Trask, if they can beat Alabama and they can also run the table and finish out the season without a loss, 
I can see him winning it if he plays impressive. And that's where my other two come in. I can see Ian Book win if he runs the table and plays very well and beats Clemson for a second time. I can definitely see him winning it. And Zach Wilson, he's putting up the numbers, Henry, even though he's not playing the best competition. Day in and day out, he's putting up the numbers. So is this race down to four? And the four you specifically listed were Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. No, I don't, I don't think so. And I think Ian Book and Zach Wilson actually have a shot at going into this race and finishing out number one and winning it. So I don't think they will, and I don't know if it's necessarily likely, but I think there is a for sure chance and there is a path for them to take that number one spot in the high swing race and eventually win it. Andrew, it's a lot like I said with a selection committee. I mean, there, there's bias. And I see zero possibility that they're going to vote Zach Wilson as the Heisman just because of the bias we'll see with them choosing Justin Fields or Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence or Trask over them just because of the name that they have that's attached to the program. And with Ian Book, I, I just don't think he has the stats to compete with this guy's obviously we have to use a little bit of the eye test because there's a bit of uneven amount of games that's been played. But the fact that Justin Fields has more passing yards and more touchdowns than him in four less games, I think that's really going to hurt him. Obviously I do think at this point, I will say it, Andrew, that Ian book is a top five quarterback in college football, but I see no way with the stats that he's putting up that there's a way that he can win the Heisman award. Henry, I appreciate you finally admitting that Ian Book is a top five quarterback in college football because I've been pushing this for so long, Henry, ever since the start of the season. I believe Ian Book is one of the top quarterbacks in the country, and I've been very pleased with how he's playing and impressed. And Henry, I'm glad you finally came around to him. And I, I, I have to say, I'm a fan of him. He's a winner. And that's, that's what I like to see. Ian Book is a winner. He's played great this season, and I would love to see him finish the top of that Heisman uh, race. But Henry, as you said, there is committee bias. And that is typically towards the playoff teams that we uh, see when the playoffs roll around. And that is normally Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. And then I would probably say they, they would give the bias to Kyle Trask in Florida over Ian Book and Notre Dame just because they play a tougher schedule. So of course, they're going to give the SEC team probably more uh, bias uh, towards against a Notre Dame ACC team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Trask finishes above Ian Book, even if Ian Book finishes out having a great season. But Henry, I, I for sure, to answer the question, I for sure see a chance where Zach Wilson and Ian Book could possibly uh, get them, get their names into that uh, Heisman race in that final, uh, uh, in the finalist uh, names. I mean, because I see Ian Book and Zach Wilson. I can see them being a finalist, Henry, is what I'm trying to get at here. I can see them at the uh, Heisman ceremony sitting there as a finalist because it, it depends. I don't know if you consider Trevor Lawrence a finalist just because of he missed a couple games. I understand he was on track and on pace, but if you miss a couple games, I don't see how you can uh, win it. And maybe Kyle Trask, Justin Fields, or uh, Mac Jones, maybe one of them slides out of that race. And you can see both Ian Book and Zach Wilson, if they finish out having a 
great season, slide into that finalist, and who knows, maybe they can win it depending on what the other quarterbacks can do that we uh, listed. But I can for sure see uh, Zach Wilson, Ian Book, in that uh, Heisman race and finish as a finalist. Andrew, right now, I'd have to say it's probably Kyle Trask leading. And if you look at his overall stats, he's having a Joe Burrow 2019 type of season. I mean, he's completing 70% of his passes. He has 2,500 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, and three picks through seven games. So he's basically on track to throw close to 50 touchdowns, Andrew, and around five or six picks, along with about four 4,800 passing yards. And Joe Burrow put up numbers like that last season, Andrew. That's like video game numbers. And I know we have to use a bit of the eye test because the numbers are uneven. But Andrew, at this point, even though Florida might not make the college football playoff, I think Kyle Trask has to be the leader for the Heisman race. Henry, I have to say Mac Jones. And that's just because I know Mac Jones isn't necessarily putting up the same numbers as Trask. But Mac Jones has been playing like uh, the most impressive quarterback just because of how he took this Alabama team that was even was they were people were questioning them if they were going to win the SEC. And he took those haters and just told them to shut up because he is making this Alabama team look like the best team in the country. And they are rightfully so. This Alabama team is super talented. And Mac Jones is a great leader for this team. And he's a great leader in general, Henry. He's a winner. And I think with him having an undefeated record and with him having these great wins and blowout wins against teams in their conference, against power five teams, Henry, I don't see how you could have Mac Jones not be the front runner right now. And I understand Kyle Trask and I understand that, but Mac Jones is an absolute winner. He's a great leader and he's been playing phenomenal, Henry. And he's been putting up the numbers, maybe not as good as Kyle Trask, Maybe not as good as maybe Justin Fields, but he's putting up great numbers, Henry. Andrew, I think we can both agree, and most college football fans can agree, that December 19th, December 18th, will be the deciding game for the college football playoff. If everything holds, Florida and Alabama win out the SEC championship game, the winner of that game, Andrew, I think most people would say that will decide the Heisman winner. But Andrew, with that, I think this would be a good time to wrap up today's podcast. As always, we want to thank everyone for listening. We did hope we do hope you did enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.